2: This is episode number 62 of, Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your boy, Leewa, coming at you straight out of the closet with some tales of thieves with commitment issues. These thugs couldn't even commit to a robbery. Unbelievable. Of course, these crimes occurred in Canada, further cementing our reputation of being soft. We're just too nice over here, eh? Not necessarily a bad thing. Now, I know I said I wouldn't mention reviews anymore for a while, but just wanted to let you know I still see them flowing in at a rapid rate. We're sitting at 1,038 right now. I read them all, and I appreciate you. Soggy Peach just made me laugh with this one. Quote, Leroy, I don't care what others say about you. As a host, you are at least adequate. Thank you, Soggy. And that's what I strive for in all aspects of my life, to be at least adequate. Nothing more, nothing less. Joke time. We'll get a couple in before we get to the episode. These two jokes come from listeners. Haven't really done that in a while. Uh, The first one's from Carla, and she says, What route does a crazy person take to get through the woods? The psychopath. Love it. And the next one comes from Mark Earl, a frequent contributor in the Facebook group. And he has some great exercise advice for those of you looking to shed some of those unwanted pounds. He says, Did you know that you can burn up to 150 calories through one vigorous session of masturbation? Yeah, it's true. I still got kicked out of my Weight Watchers meeting, though. (laughs) All right, everybody. Hop in the minivan and let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. Don't worry, my friends. Even if you get robbed while we're out, I promise you'll get all your shit back. episode number 62, Remorseful Robbers. I was a pretty good kid. Never got the urge to steal from the local convenience store or anything like that, even when it felt like most of the people my age were doing it. I do remember one time, though, when I took advantage of a situation back in the summer of 89. I was a youngster, just turned seven years of age, and my mom's friend. Well, he took my brother and I, along with his two kids, to the park. When I stepped out of the minivan to go play, I noticed a crisp $2 bill fluttered to the ground and onto the pavement. I was 99.9% sure it came from the van. I must have accidentally kicked it off the floor when I got out. Instead of telling anyone what happened, I just stuffed the bill into my pocket and ran to the park, and didn't give it a second thought. A couple days later, when my mom went to do the laundry, she checked my pockets and found my forgotten fortune. She interrogated me for hours about where I got the cash until I finally cracked maybe it was like 10 seconds. As a kid, I had no concept of time. When I told her the truth, she was furious, made me confess to her friend and return the $2. He was a very understanding guy, shrugged it off and said it was okay. Told me he probably would have done the same thing at my age, which was nice because I was already feeling pretty guilty and ashamed of myself. The thieves in these stories we're about to get into, it appears as though they felt the same emotions I went through. Did they come to those conclusions on their own though? Or like myself? that someone else lay the guilt trip on them. Okay, let's head on over to Guelph, which is a city in southwestern Ontario that has a population of about 150,000 people. There's the University of Guelph over there, which is one of Canada's top schools. They also have the Ontario Veterinary College and the Ontario Agricultural College. Lots of higher learning going on. A city full of young, bright students who, for the most part, stay out of trouble. But you know how it is. Visit GuelphWellington.ca boasts this statement about its city. Quote, Guelph is one of Canada's fastest-growing cities, only 45 minutes from Toronto. We maintain low unemployment, a low crime rate, and a high standard of living. Guelph has just the right balance of city life and small-town friendliness. End quote. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But like any decent-sized city, you're going to get people who have fallen on rough times. Perhaps college kids who are low on funds. It's inevitable. They say money does strange things to people. And that is also true with a lack thereof. With that being said, let's go back in time, about 10 years to July of 2012. A couple summer blockbusters came out that month, including The Amazing Spider-Man and The Dark Knight Rises. There was also another movie called Killer Joe, starring friend of the show, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. The description says, When 22-year-old drug dealer Chris has his stash stolen by his mother, he has to come up with $6,000 quick or he's dead. Desperate, he turns to Killer Joe when he finds out that his mother's life insurance policy is worth $50,000. Although Joe usually demands cash up front, he finds himself willing to bend the rules in exchange for Chris's attractive younger sister, Dottie, who will serve as sexual collateral until the money comes in, if it ever does. If you want to see a disturbing film, check this one out. There's one scene specifically it involved a chicken drumstick, and that's all I can say about that as this is a family-friendly show. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Alright, alright, alright. Let's move on, baby. Like I said, July of 2012. Specifically, July 26th. It's a Thursday in a friendly, quiet, suburban neighborhood. There's a family we're going to follow, and they wish to keep their privacy, so they shall remain nameless. The husband and wife took their dog out for an evening stroll, as they did almost every day. This was really the only time they went out that night, And this is when they assumed the robbery went down. No doubt that dog would have been barking up a storm if he were home at the time. The thief tore a screen window open around back and climbed into the home, grabbing a couple of electronics before taking off into the night. They took a digital camera and an Xbox gaming console. A camera and an Xbox. Not sure why I tried to sound so professional there. Not a bad little haul. Supposedly those goods were worth about $1,000. But you could probably turn around and sell those goods to a pawn shop and pick up a quick four or five hundred bucks. Okay, something I should note about this house was it backed onto a park and a ravine. You got the fence, then some nice green space back there. Great for privacy. That just kind of stood out to me. I remember when my wife and I were looking to purchase a home, actually the same year this took place, 2012. Uh, that was one of her things. She wanted a house that backed onto a forest, a field, some kind of nature place we ended up buying backs onto a fairly busy road. So yeah, totally got what we wanted. What my baby wants, my baby gets. Uh, The main thing is when you're in the suburbs, kind of close quarters with your neighbors, it's nice when your backyard doesn't connect to another backyard. At least we don't have that. We're not staring into each other's windows. No one's checking out my beach bod when I'm doing a little topless barbecue in the summer. Know what I'm saying? All right, where was I here? Oh yeah, I guess my point is this home backing onto the ravine is potentially why it was broken into in the first place. Easy access. That's the one downfall to that privacy you're getting. It goes both ways. I know the Golden State Killer, the original Night Stalker, that was his thing. He'd target homes like this one so he could make a quick getaway afterwards with much less potential of being seen. Not to mention lots of places to hide and plenty of escape routes if he was seen. All right. The family comes home from their walk, oblivious to what has just taken place. At this point, it's dark, it's a night. so shortly after, they turn in for the night.
0: <sighs>
2: the husband wakes up the next morning for work. He turns on the coffee maker, takes his morning shit, has a shower, you know, whatever his morning ritual is, before he takes off for work. He opens up the front door, and that's when... To his surprise, he finds a bag on his porch. In this mystery bag are his digital camera, his Xbox, $50, and a letter of apology. He is in shock, as the family didn't even know they'd been robbed. I have the apology letter here. Well, not the actual copy, just the contents of it. You know what I mean. It's typed out, not handwritten, so I can't use my penmanship expertise to garner any extra clues, unfortunately. I'll read it and break down my thoughts on the matter, then we'll see what police and neighbors have to say about the situation. Regretful robber quote. Dear family, I have wronged. I'm the one who committed the serious crime against your family, and I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart. I compromised your feelings of safety in your own home and privacy, and that is unforgivable. I want to promise you it was nothing personal, and I didn't go through any of your personal belongings. I've been having a very tough time financially, and I made the worst mistake of my life. I regretted it immediately afterwards. I can't put into words how sorry I am. Please accept everything I took, plus $50 for repairing the screen. I will also commit to at least 15 hours of community service to help partially atone for what I've done. This is the first and last time I will ever commit a crime. If I could do more for you, I would. But I can't reveal myself, since getting caught would ruin my life. Just another reason I'm so ashamed of what I've done. I've jeopardized your peace of mind as well as my own. Please find it in your hearts to forgive the stranger who harmed you. End quote. Wow. Heartfelt message. You can tell this person really gave this some thought. A lot to break down here. They're almost overly dramatic about their guilt and shame. And it's not like this is a week later and they've had time to reflect. This is like literally a few hours later. So why the change of heart? And if they were that hard up for cash, they had a spare 50 bucks lying around to pay for the screen. So that's weird. If this was my house that was broken into, I'd find this note oddly soothing. The 15 hours of community service is very specific and kind of overkill if you ask me. You return the stuff, you apologize, you pay for the screen. That's fine. Just don't do it again. Was it really their first time committing a crime? If so, they did a good job of it. The people didn't even know they'd been robbed yet. Spoiler alert, this is an unsolved case. No one was ever caught. Who was it, though? Uh, This remorse is just way too quick for me. I'm thinking they were talked into a change of heart. Like a guy did it and his girlfriend made him return the stuff. Or better yet, it was a teenager or some student low on cash. I know, I know, I'm always blaming the teenagers. But I could totally see the teen being asked by his parents where he got this Xbox and camera from. And them fessing up to the parents. And the parents making them return it. But not wanting him to get in trouble from police. It would make sense, you know? If I was the parent, I'd chip in the 50 bucks and tell my kid they're paying me back. Tell them to write an apology and return the stuff. You want them to learn their lesson without getting a criminal record and all that. It could even be a neighbor. They must have known this family had a dog in the exact time when everyone was out. It's all a little too convenient. That's my theory then. A neighbor's punk kid did it. The parents found out, made him apologize and return it, but didn't want them getting in trouble with the law. I'm locking that in as my final answer. I just reread it one more time. <laughs> they said getting caught would ruin their life. Yeah, gotta be a teenager or some type of student. Maybe one that wants to be in law enforcement or some type of job that can't have a record. Yep, sticking with my final answer. It is intriguing though, isn't it? I'd love to know who did it. Not so they can be punished, just to satisfy my own selfish curiosity. Okay, so back to the story here. After reading the message, the man checked his back screen and it was damaged. Even though he didn't know he'd been robbed and he got all his stuff back and more, he felt he should still call the police. Fair enough. I probably would too. It's a unique situation. Good to at least get this documented. We're going to get Sergeant Doug Pflug to weigh in on this. And no, I didn't make that name up. Doug Pflug. P-F-L-U-G. The P's probably silent. All right, Doug Pflug, quote, Even though they say this is the first time they've committed a crime, how do you know? But everything was returned, and that in itself is exceptional. End quote exceptional indeed. That's cool. I like Doug's approach to this. Doesn't seem like police would hammer this criminal too hard if everything they're saying is true. Sounds like they're punishing themselves harsher than the law even could anyways. Uh, we'll hear more from Dougie Fluggy later, as this isn't his first rodeo. Let's hear some citizens weigh in on this. CBC News' Lucy Lopez hit the streets and asked some people. Here's what they had to say. Old lady, probably in her seventies, with short white hair. Quote, I don't know what I'd do if it happened to me. It's a tough one, but I'd be glad to get my goods back again. Ah, what a sweetheart! And I fully agree. It would be nice to get your goods back. Okay, short-haired, forty-something, bespectacled man in park. Quote, He's the judge and the jury, is he? <laughs> well, I uh think obviously we all have troubles in our lives, eh? But it doesn't excuse someone to break into our house and, uh, do that. I mean, maybe in his mind he's making some sort of restitution. End quote. Yeah, bud. That's exactly what he's doing. Lastly, we have a gruff, salt-and-pepper-haired German neighbor named Gunther. He said, quote, If it was kids and the parents were behind this, I feel the parents should have taken the kid to the house. I would have marched my child right next door and made him fess up, then said the 50 bucks is coming out of his allowance, end quote. Gunther also discussed with his wife and thinks it was a teenager, especially judging by what was stolen. I agree that it was probably a teen, but an Xbox and camera just visibly out in the open, that doesn't convince me that a kid stole it. That's just easy pickings. The perpetrator said they needed money, so they were going to sell the Xbox anyways, not play it. And I guess I agree with Gunther with the punishment, depending on the relationship with the neighbor. If they can go apologize before police were involved, then that makes sense. But that's the whole thing. You don't want your kid in trouble with the law. If the parents did it Gunther's way, we probably wouldn't have heard about this crime at all. And maybe the punishment would be he'd have to mow their lawn all summer or shovel their driveway or something like that. Pay them back that way without getting law enforcement involved. Gunther might even have an inside scoop living in the neighborhood and have a suspected snot-nosed teenager in mind. We don't know. Oh, and I should also add that the husband and wife victims didn't want any part of this, but an inside scoop from one of their neighbors was they were annoyed at first, but the apology letter actually tugged at their heartstrings. And I think that's pretty neat. Back to Sergeant Doug Plug. This is crazy. Almost exactly one year earlier, he was called to a similar situation. In August of 2011, that summer numerous vehicles had been broken into. It was becoming quite the problem. That is until Friday, August 19th, a woman named Allison. She was actually one of the victims who had an MP3 player and a CD stolen. Well, there was a gym bag left on her front porch with a note. Her father found it in the AM as he was on his way to work. So many similarities here. The note, written in pen, was an apology. And the gym bag contained Allison's items along with a bunch of other stolen goods. Allison's father alerted police, and guess who showed up? Your boy Dougie Fluggy. Crazy. Here's what the apology note had to say: "Quote, oh, I cannot apologize enough for the childish slash teenage decisions my friends and I made. I regret everything about what I did, and I'm greatly sorry." <laughs> I speak for myself and my friends when I say we regret what we did and promise to ourselves that we'll never do anything this stupid again. (laughs) Sincerely, stupid teenagers. (laughs) That's actually how they signed off, not me trying to be funny. Stupid teenagers. Police weighed in and said if these perps were ever caught, counseling and or community service would likely be on the table and that they probably wouldn't pursue charges. I like Guelph PD. They seem cool. No one ever did fess up to police, by the way, even though they say charges wouldn't be pressed. Better safe than sorry. At the time of the article, not all the items were claimed, and they were being held at the police station. Not sure if any of the items are still there, but if any of you live in the Guelph area, take your shot. Maybe there's still an unclaimed Katy Perry CD or a pack of bubblegum lying around. Allison's dad, Mr. Allison, he was cool. Everyone involved here is cool. Uh, He said, quote, Actually, I was kind of impressed because it shows that people have a good heart and some people do stupid things, but in the end, they can make a good choice. End quote. Yeah, sure. That's one way of looking at it. This we obviously know was done by teenagers. This is an instance where I think these guys were nudged into apologizing by one of their girlfriends, perhaps, or likely someone's parents. Who knows, though? It would be nice if these teens really did have a change of heart. And that's possible coerced confession or not, the final outcome is the same, really. People got their stuff, and they received an apology. And let's be honest, isn't that all we really want when someone does us dirty? Some acknowledgement of wrongdoing and our toys back? To me, that's better than any punishment the police could have dished out themselves.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels.
2: And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 62, Remorseful Robbers. It's kind of nice when criminals have a change of heart, isn't it? There's a good lesson to be learned here. It's never too late to right a wrong. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. It's that time again, my friends. Listener confession time. So sing it with me. Let's get criminal, criminal. I wanna get criminal. Du- 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 du. This listener confession is one I'd almost forgotten about until I started writing this episode. Then, bam, it hit me. And I'm glad it did, because it pairs perfectly with the crimes we just talked about. This one's from Brandy, and she says Hi, Leroy. First things first, I enjoy your podcast. Love the terrible jokes and lighthearted crime. I spit my tea all over the interior of my car the first time I listen. Thank you, Brandy. I love to hear that. Secondly, she says, Shout out to Amber from Mississippi. I want to be her friend. She needs her own podcast. I would listen for sure. Yeah, I agree. And let me know, ladies. I can give you each other's emails if you want. Maybe you can become pen pals. Anyways, now for the story. Confession time. Not mine, but my grandmother's. Rest her sweet soul. Years ago, my grandma and I went to Walmart. While in the store, my grandma picked up a couple toothbrushes. Like so many people often do, she laid them in that part of the cart where either a small child or a purse is kept. As you can probably predict, she forgot to pay for them. No big deal. It happens to people from time to time. Most people never even give it a second thought. I tried to reassure the sweet old lady that she wasn't a criminal and that it was fine and just to forget about it. Nope, not this lady. I am pretty sure she lost sleep over these toothbrushes. I'm not sure if she thought the police were coming to take her to jail or what. In an effort to put her anxiety to rest, my aunt even offered to carry them back to the store, explain and apologize. My granny would not hear of it. She was just simply too embarrassed. Her solution was simple. She would reverse steal them. For the next few weeks, she would put these toothbrushes in her purse and attempt to sneak them back into the store for weeks The time was just never right. Too many people around. Most people would just forget about it. Not her. After four weeks, she was successfully able to sneak them in the store, dig them out of her purse, and put them back on the shelf. Finally, her good granny reputation had been redeemed. Thanks for your time. Keep those stories coming. Brandy. Oh, man. See? A simple story like that tells a lot about a person. You can just tell right there that she was a sweet, honest woman and a little bit stubborn. She was determined to fix her mistake, but she was gonna do it her way, and I love that. R.I.P. Granny, and thanks for sharing, Brandy. If you have a confession you want to share with us, yours or your granny's, send it to Excuse Me, That's Illegal at gmail.com. Link in show notes. If you want ad-free episodes a little early, along with a couple bonus shows every month, you can always sign up to Patreon. I'd love to have you over there. Or if you want to chip in for some gas money, there's PayPal as well. You can find links to that good stuff in the show notes, yet again. Not trying to sound greedy, just self-promoting. If I don't do it, no one else will. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Before we get out of here, I have a promo to play for you from a podcast called True Crime Fan Club, hosted by Laney, who has a fantastic voice, fantastic writer, with a wider vocabulary than me. A more fantastic vocabulary than me. And she covers some really interesting cases. She's a great person in the true crime community. She's one of the founders of the True Crime Podcast Festival, which is in Dallas, Texas this year. August 26th to 28th. I will not be in attendance, but if that continues to be an annual thing, it's something I'm definitely interested in sometime down the line. Maybe even next year. Who knows? Anywho, I'll let Lainey tell you all about her kick-ass podcast in a moment. As for myself come meet me back here in another 10 days and I'll be happy to serve you up a hearty helping of soft course gum baggery. Peace! Alright, take it away, Laney.
3: the true crime fan club podcast if you're a true crime aficionado like i am then my show is for you join me as i peel back the curtains in this immersive storytelling podcast that reveals the life and crimes of some of the most evil minds at the end of each episode you'll be left wondering how will you sleep tonight search for true crime fan club podcast in any podcast directory you won't want to miss an episode